do you want your dream to be featured on our podcast? Do you have a recurring dream that drives you wild? A sex dream that leaves you feeling dirty? A nightmare that makes you feel guilty? Head over to www.wildestdreamspodcast.com and click the submit tab. Once you're there, fill out our form and submit your dream as text. Prefer to send audio? You can always drop us a line at our email, submit at wildestdreamspodcast.com. Each week, we'll feature one dream that we will try our damnedest to decipher. It's listeners like you that keep our dream alive. What's up, y'all? It's Ashley Johnson. You're listening to The Daniel White Show. Dicks, 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 pussy, 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 dick, 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 ass, 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 titties, 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 titties. All right, we're recording. I knew you would record that. I always put the mic test at the beginning of the episode, so it's going to be that, and then we'll go to one rep. And then you I'll train with her. This is cool. This is actually perfect. This is what I've been looking for. Oh, well, Tristan, you ready, Coach T? Yeah. I'm going to call you Coach T through this episode. Okay. Ah, dang it, I didn't catch the burp. <laughs> Welcome to the episode of Daniel White Show. Today we have the Tristan Million here, the trauma-informed weightlifting coach. What's going on? What's up? We're chilling. I'm glad you invited me to your house, by the way, too. I didn't know where we we're gonna end up. I don't know if we're gonna be in your studio downtown or the, At gym, the gym or whatever. Who knows? So, um, beautiful home, by the way. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so obviously you um, own one, one rep, and it's amazing. And you train me, and you train a number of other artists as well, and friends and all that. So um, I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. This new venture. Well, I guess it's kind of a new venture. Yeah, I mean, July. July will be one year. One year of God, that's insane. Well, it's it's kind of wild because I kind of forget. I don't know how long I've been doing this. I'm like, wait a second, it's only been a year. It feels longer than that. But then say, also yeah. it feels, yeah, it definitely feels longer than that. But it's definitely only been a year. Wow, that's that's wild. I feel like, I guess in social media, I mean, knowing you, I feel like it's been like five thousand years. But you know, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matrice has been on Free Pizza. You might remember her from there. Amazing illustrator. Um, I don't know how he balanced both, but we're going to talk about all that in okay. <laughs> Yeah, we, we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, so this is a different audience from Free Pizza, so before we get started, I'm going to get you to read that icebreaker question. Okay. Um, that's actually from Christine. Uh, oh, she, I know. She gifted uh, that to us, to me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I I recognized it, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's, okay. a, Christine, that's <laughs> a Christine thing. You can read either side. Uh, One is deeper than the other. Wait. Wait, there's only one side, or there's two sides? There's two sides, okay, yeah. Okay. So you can just read them both to yourself and then decide which one you want to ask. Oof. <laughs> okay, um, everyone always says that. <laughs> all right, we're going to go, like, there's one that's, like, okay, the first one was, what is a memory that will forever make you laugh out loud? And it's, like, I mean, I've got so many of those, but then it's, like, but that that, that doesn't resonate for me, okay. right? So the, the, but then I turned it over, and I was, like, oh, shit. Okay, just, okay, just read that. We can skip it. We can skip that if you want to, but just read it. Okay. How have you changed this past year? Wow. Yeah, so that, like, fits real well. Okay. <laughs> okay, you want to do that one? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that one, like, hit me in the gut. I like this. Yeah. How have I changed in the past year? Um, well, I guess I have to think about where I was a year ago. 
So what is now is April 2022. Yeah, weird. So where was I in April 2021? Um, a year ago, man. So I left my full-time job, mm-hmm. my did. full-time day job, uh, working for Lululemon mm. in January of 2021. And so, yeah, so I didn't really know what I was going to do. And even though, yes, I'm an artist and I do freelance illustration and I mean, most people know me for doing event production um, for uh, the Hand to Hand Market and Greensboro Zine Fest mm-hmm. and Comics Life. Yep. All that stuff got put on pause because of the pandemic. Mm. But during the pandemic, I had a personal loss. Um, I lost my support animal, my best friend. And I mean, yes, he was just a cat, but he was like the most Mm. important piece. One of the most important pieces of my daily life, which was my cat Dorian, who I had from, um, I got in August of 2004, 2004, when Mm. I just moved back from New York to take care of my mom. Mm -hmm. Um, who had terminal cancer and then ultimately from the very beginning of the shelter in place to the literally the last day when the shelter in place was lifted I had to put him down and so that was my whole experience and so it was very it brought back all the the emotional memories of emotional flashbacks of losing my mom to cancer yeah so coming out of like 2020 was such a brutal year for me because what then manifested was when I went back to work in retail when stores and stuff came open Um, I started having a lot of cognitive issues and performance issues at work and I couldn't figure out why and I thought I had um, I thought I had ADHD and actually a lot of people throughout my whole life told me oh yeah you definitely have ADHD you definitely have ADHD but that never really set right with me but then finally I was just like something's not right and um, ultimately I was also living with a lot of chronic pain and ultimately my intuition kicked in and said go get tested so in August of 2020, I got tested for ADHD and the doctor was like, actually, you don't have, you, yes, you show symptoms of ADHD, but based on the things that you're saying, actually you have complex PTSD, which wow. then led me to get um, the right kind of therapy to help me with trauma, which was uh, EMDR style therapy. And I started working with a trauma specialist therapist. Um, so going into 2021 like i could no longer work the job that i was working i was so um i was triggered in that environment Mm. and uh so spring of 2021 was this like i don't know what i'm gonna do and i was depressed i was in a really acute depression um but i was like well i have out of step barbell club which i had been a member of for seven years at that point and uh, so I was like, well, I'm just going to try to get back to training because my therapist is saying I need to move and I'm healing from this hip issue that I was having. So I decided to start going back to the gym. And then in April, this time a year ago, uh, my coach of seven years packed up, moved to Boise, Idaho, Dick, yeah. sold his gym. Yep. And my um, friend Kelly McClintock then bought the equipment from him and decided to leave her full-time job and take the risk and open up a gym called Iron Barbell Collective. Nice, yeah. And I said to her, when she and I first had a conversation, when she told me that she was buying the gym and and all this, and we had a a really good conversation, I literally said, Kelly, I'm going to get certified to be a USA weightlifting coach. 
and I'm going to get my level one certification. I'm going to take the STEMI money and I'm going to do this. And like, if there's any way I can help support your business, I've come to realize I need to have full ownership over every aspect of me being an athlete. And I need to get, I need to get it together. And, and this is this, I think this is the path I need to take because I worked in retail with Lululemon, but was deeply connected to the fitness industry in Greensboro. Right. Um, it was always just a really big part of my movement practice and how I had, you know, I guess management over my mental health. I didn't realize it was actually what helped me manage my complex PTSD. So anyway, since then, April of 2021, I got certified as a USA weightlifting coach. Um, and when I say USA weightlifting, I mean specific to the sport of Olympic weightlifting. So Olympic weightlifting is one of three strength sports. So you have Olympic weightlifting, which is the snatch, the clean and jerk, and it's been in the Olympics for a very long time. And then you have powerlifting, which came out of Olympic weightlifting, which is the deadlift, the bench, press, and the squat. Those are the comp competition lifts. And then you have bodybuilding, which is all about symmetry and aesthetics, but people who are bodybuilders, they're building muscle, they're using barbells, they're using dumbbells, etc. So, and then you also have CrossFit, which is really more, I would say that is a strength sport, but it's also, it, it's a blend of so many different sports. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So because of CrossFit though, because it has Olympic weightlifting in it, it's made the sport of Olympic weightlifting grow exponentially over the past decade or more. Right. So USA Weightlifting is the um, organization that looks for potential talent to eventually then sponsor them to compete in the Olympics, et cetera, et cetera. So my affiliation is with, with USA Weightlifting and that's my certification. So I got that in, I got, I went and got that in June through, I went, went up to Asheville and got the certification and basically the universe put me at the right place at the right time to meet the right people. And since then I went from just one athlete, uh, and then grew slowly, but surely because I made a commitment, how I've changed the most crucial way that I've changed as a person over the past year, I no longer make decisions out of survival mode. It's good. I will make decisions out of thriving. Yeah. So if it's a slow grow, fuck it. We're gonna slow. We're gonna grow slow, and I'm not going to allow this survival mode of being that fight or flight response um, to dictate how I make decisions. Yeah. Right. I'm yeah. not gonna lean into fear, and I understand that I have a lot of irrational fear that I can't always control because of my nervous system due to the trauma that I've experienced in my life. My, my DNA has been forever altered. My nervous system has been forever altered and it's something that I will have to manage for the rest of my life. What I never knew is that PTSD is permanent. It's, oh, it no is not, it is not just for a short period of time. You're able, it is forever. Like you are wow. changed. Complex PTSD is something that where if you were in a situation for a long period of time or exposed to something multiple times, then it really gets a little more more involved. Whereas PTSD can be like I thought I had PTSD after my mom died because of certain symptoms and reactions I was having, but I never knew what complex PTSD was. And I thought, oh well, yeah, I only had PTSD for like a couple weeks or something. Like I didn't even think oh, yeah. that it was for a lifelong. And that's what I learned from being in therapy for the past two years uh, with a trauma specialist. So how I've changed is I don't make decisions. I don't take action out of survival mode. So I, when I started one rep weightlifting, I intentionally said, I am going to let this grow slow. And I've not pushed where like, I didn't go into this hyper 
compulsive mode of like, I need to market this. I need to like buy advertising. I need to let everybody know because I was like, there's, I don't want this to become my full-time job. Like I also made a commitment that my art practice, my, my role as an artist, that is number one. That is the one thing that I've sacrificed the most. But I understand that my creative energy and my creative intelligence is is fostering one rep. It yeah. is what's making it happen. So I understand that even though I might be in, not be in the studio as much as I'd like to be, that still doesn't mean I'm not honoring my art practice. Oh, right, exactly, yeah. So that's how I've changed. And I, I'm grateful, I'm grateful for that because I'm never gonna go back to that day job. Yeah, dude. And, and I mean, I say that, who knows where I'll be in years from now as, as an older adult, but the, the point is I realize I can't work in those environments because it is re-triggering for me. Yeah. By doing one rep weightlifting and my art practice, I am honoring myself the most. I love that. Okay. A lot. A lot of change in a year. I feel like I'm going through that transition like you with leaving the, the day job right now. Mm-hmm. So probably would be a good question for next year. But still, was that your, your, your answer? Okay. I think with me, and I think, when did we first, because we first started training at, when you looked at that house um, that was close to me, was that last year or year before? So during the pandemic. Of 2020? We, yeah. You came over during the shelter in place and you worked out with me outside. That was 2020. Yeah. Okay. So you were... I literally, so I document all my workouts. Like I have a journal, a training journal, and everything like that. Like I literally have every day that you came and trained with me. Yes. I okay. still have our workouts. I know what we did and what days. So you came yeah. over, you actually came and worked out with me two days, three days before I put my cap down. That's right. I remember that. Okay. That wasn't last year. That was the year before. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say that was part of my, what has changed. Yeah. Um, but we still did the Which training. Which props to you for being my friend <laughs> that broke the law. I'm just kidding. Come and work out with me. I mean, not that you broke the law. Oh, yeah. That was deep. Now you're right. And you were like, <laughs> you were wearing a mask outside, yeah. just doing all your lunges. Oh, and yeah, you're, like, you were you were in it. And I, I was like, stay the fuck away from me. You take that mask off. Yeah. I went it. That was a scary time. Um, wow. I guess a lot has still changed, though. I've taken more. What has changed for me the most is part of my care and mental health. Um, therapy. I started that for the first time last year ever, uh, which is so weird. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I feel like my art has changed. I kind of know what direction I do want to go, more documentary style, and what I want to do with the podcast. So that's changed a lot over the year. Um, probably the biggest though, the homies here. <laughs> um, just a disclosure, yeah, um, Coach Parker, aka my orange tabby cat, yeah. is in the room. Yeah, if you hear something. And if you hear that, or if you hear me say, Parker, get off, you'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> so right now, he's climbing into the bookcase, and we're just going to let it happen. Yeah, it's fine. It's all good. This is this is the way the house sounds. It's good. Um, <laughs> I love cats. But, um... <laughs> No, I feel like the way that, I don't know, the way I just view myself and my art has changed a lot over the past year. I used to, I don't know this, some of my closer friend knows this, but like I was very self-conscious about just me and my art for, for years. Um, oh, the light went off. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Parker, just unplug the light. No, it's all good. It's all good. Um, but just through therapy and through even being times with you and taking more of initiative and going to a doctor regularly. I never did that really before last year. Um, and taking more of initiative in my health. 
that's probably changed the most with uh, even your workouts. And like I said, the last couple of weeks, I've actually been following old programs and actually five days a week efficiently, you know, mm-hmm. um, which has been huge for me. Because um, weight is weight in my image have been like a, a big battle with me for a long time. I don't necessarily hate the way I look, but I know how I want to feel. So I think over the past year, I've definitely taken more of a, I have a long way to go, more of a serious change in that. So it's probably been the biggest change of the last year since my health and wellness, honestly. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, good. Why was it not a priority before? Where do you, where do you, and what then shifted to make it a priority? I think before I was just focused on just other things, just having fun and going out and, you know, I think I still do that stuff and still be, you know, still take my health seriously, but I was, I was just focused on just going out, eating whatever, and just, just being kind of chaotic and drinking and all that kind of stuff, and all that's changed. Um, I think with me, the biggest change, I think, is seeing my, my parents getting older and them now trying to scramble and getting their health in order. They're doing it, which is awesome, but I don't want to be, you know, good, good. Um, I don't want to be, you know older trying to get it together when I'm 60 70 80 years old like I do see sometimes in the gym um but (laughs) bye kitty (laughs) but no just and this even with being with you seeing my potential obviously I was I went in out of being the 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 the, 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 kind of okay athlete with you you know I had good day and bad good and bad days but I saw my potential with being with you of what I could be. So that's yeah. kind of changed my whole trajectory of what, you know, I do on a daily, day-to-day basis now. Yeah. Um, and it's great. It feels great. Uh, obviously, I hurt. You hurt me, yeah. which is fine. Well, but I think we should definitely, let's specify, like, what, what I did for you. Because, like, not everybody knows. So right. basically, what what... What Daniel's referring to. Yeah. Not hurt in a bad way. <laughs> Training Let's me properly. Sure we, so basically, I reached out to you. Yes, I and remember here, that. And let me just tell the story. So when you showed up to work out with me, one on, like together with during the pandemic, during the shelter in place, um, I saw your potential then. Yeah. Like, I could see that you were a natural athlete. I could see that you had really good coordination. I could see that you were strong. You had good endurance. And you were, at that time, really trying to be... You. I remember you saying, this is the first time in my life that I'm actually making exercise in my health like a priority. Exactly. And then I was like, oh, okay. And you're in what? Late 20s at that time? Yeah, well, yeah, 29. Okay, yeah. so I started my strength journey at 29. Yeah. And when I was 29, I was at this huge crossroads... Uh, my mother passed away at age 53, breast cancer, mm. when I was 22, or right before my 23rd birthday in 2005. At 29, I had chronic pain. I was um, a lot of hormonal imbalances. They were worried that I might have breast cancer, like all this stuff. And I was in a, not in a great relationship either for myself at that time. But basically, I was about to turn 30 in 2020, uh, in 2012. And I was like, I had read a statistic somewhere where you learn, you start to lose 0.05% to 1% of body mass as you age after the age of 30. And then as you get older into your 40s and whatnot, you actually lose even a greater percentage of body, uh, a muscle mass. And so basically, if you don't build it now, you will have a harder time to build it later, but you can. Like, yeah. don't, like, I, there is a lot of misinformation out there about actually building muscle. Um, and later in life, you actually can, 
but there's some hormonal factors that play a role. So like when your testosterone is good, when your hormones, your estrogen, all this stuff is good and everything's Gucci, then it's like you need to take advantage of your youth now to set yourself up in the future. So what I did was then I listened to my intuition. I was like, this isn't about something's not right. And it's not, it's bigger than that. It's spiritual. There's something psychological going on. And my intuition said, start with the body. So I started training at the gym, at a Globo gym. It was the Rush before it was Gold's Gym. And I started doing the cardio and stuff like that. But my intuition was like, I distinctly remember being on the stair stepper and then looking over and seeing free weights and was like, that's actually what I'd rather be doing. Yeah. And I hadn't touched free weights and since 20, oh, 20, 2004, because a friend of mine had been, she was a personal trainer at UNCG's gym when I was in college. So she and I connected in 2003, 2004, and she taught me some stuff of bodybuilding. So I decided to like start educating myself and pick the weights up again. So when I was 29, that's when I made the shift. And then ultimately, for the past 10 years, I've been strength training on a regular basis for as long as I can remember. Right. But the thing was, when I saw you working out with me, um, I know that time I had no idea that I would become a coach. I had no idea that yeah. I just knew that I just needed to keep moving because I was so distraught. Like I, my anticipatory grief was really high. My anxiety was through the roof. I was, exercise was the only way of regulating my appetite so that I could eat. So then I reached out to you in this past fall of 2021 because again, and this is gonna be a common theme. And I think if, if I just want people to understand that I really do pause and listen to my my inner spirit or my intuition because i think we are designed to be able to survive and make good choices for ourselves if we pause and listen to what our body or what our spirit or our gut is telling us it's real and so my intuition said ask daniel to train with you like ask tell him that you will coach him in trade for a photo shoot yeah and like i don't do that that's not something i don't really do because again if I'm making that time investment, you know, that's mo- that's money that I wouldn't be making, right? Exactly. Like, technically. But my intuition said, no, you need to work with Daniel. And I listened to that and I reached out to you because I remembered your potential. And I also know that a lot of times when people want to start strength training, they don't know where to start. Mm, they just go yes. into the gym. They just kind of fuck around, like, feel what they want to feel. Like, I did that too. But it wasn't for the right people the right time to show up in my life on this journey to be like, hey, you actually need to learn how to use the barbell. Hey, if you really want to get stronger and, and do all that, you got to learn how to use a barbell. And on top of that, you got to work on mobility. On top of that, you got to follow a program. And a lot of people don't understand that. So I knew that I had this information. I wanted to help support your journey because you were like posting about it. And I was like, okay, this is what I can do. And now here we are full, like coming full circle. And we recently did the photo shoot. It was the right thing to do was yeah. to invest in you in that yeah. way. Yeah. I but I can see the transition. Yeah. I can see where you've shifted over the past year and you're getting ready to take those steps to like walk away from the security of your day job. Yes, I am. But yeah. I, it's exciting to me because hearing you say, oh, I'm doing therapy or doing all this stuff like that. I'm like, okay, cool. You've got the right support systems in place to really help you navigate the uncertainty that comes with leaving that day job. Yeah. But you may learn how leaving the day job may actually show you, reflect to you maybe what you've been repressing or what you haven't really known about yourself 
And so taking these certain steps of being in a place of quote unquote security, This will now reveal a lot more about who you are and maybe how being in certain work environments may actually not support your mental health. Right. Right. Or that be leaning into your creative practice and professional practice and defining, like redefining that, developing that, perfecting that, being honest with yourself about your work ethic or your behaviors or noticing like maybe you get really disoriented and you take on too many things or you look at this or you look at that and you think about this and you think about that very true so it's gonna help you you know bring you back into center but i will say my art practice has only and really been sustainable because of my commitment to training oh wow yeah yeah like literally i i physically have so i have chronic pain due to my nervous system being in that fight or flight response pretty you know when I'm under stress or whatever. And I hold a lot of my emotions and stressors in my body. So when I was in art school, I was peak, like totally stressed, totally in fight or flight, um, still ignorant to what I was experiencing. And I couldn't even do my work in Mm -hmm. art school. So I tried doing yoga, which was a great place to start. But then... I mean, and I'm grateful for that because, again, the universe brought the right people at the right time to help me, which were the owners of Triad Yoga, Terry and Jerry. And they let me work their front desk for free for five years. I worked the front desk once a week and got free yoga classes. And their approach is from a therapeutic standpoint, from a PT perspective of how to use yoga to create healing. And then through that, ultimately, my guidance strength training, I realized that's really what I needed to sustain, like to work against the chronic pain that I was feeling. So for 10 years, the only way I've been able to make the work and sustain the work practice, like the physical labor of making art, was through my gym, you know, my my gym routine. That was the only way I could do it. It's funny you say that because with your program and all that stuff, and even back in 2020, when we first got, you know, got together, that definitely impacted how my work ethic with the art. Like, absolutely. Because, I mean, with you training me, it was, you put me in a level, you put me in discomfort. Not in a bad way. Yeah. But usually I, I was that person that when things got kind of out of hand and I don't, and just uncomfortable, I, w- I would quit. Uh-huh. So, obviously, <laughs> when you're training, you're like, no, you're going to get it. You know, you're not going to quit. Um, they helped me see things a lot differently. It's crazy how, like, fitness and health just kind of change everything for you. So, it's been really interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, we're all human, and if we, we're always looking to be in a place of homeostasis or to be in equilibrium, but also I think, like, one thing I've learned from coaching, and I need to specify, like, the reason why I say I'm a trauma-informed weightlifting coach is because I have been on the receiving end of poor coaching or coaches that didn't have a full perspective of how the nervous system when you have trauma or if you are neurodivergent, sometimes exercise can exasperate your nervous system and mm. take you out of your quote-unquote window of tolerance. So one of, one of my favorite gyms in town is called Positive Stress. So when we exercise, we put positive stress on the body, yeah. right? So okay. the owner of that gym, his name is Joey, he's fantastic. But basically, when we exercise, we're putting positive stress on our body, which also helps with our... Uh, body's ability to manage stress in our our lives, our mental health, whatnot, job stress, life stress, all of that mm, above. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so when you already are someone who's suffering from complex PTSD 
or uh, or PTSD, which are two different things, They're similar but two different things. Basically, certain exercises or experiences could actually be bring you out of a place of feeling in your subconscious nerve and your bring you into your ner- your sympathetic nervous system being activated, the fight or flight response or freeze and not being able to get your parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest digest response, right? So I have been unfortunately negatively impacted by exercise at, through really strenuous strength training, which then took my nervous system out of that window of tolerance and therefore created injury, uh, created chronic oh, wow. pain yeah. and mental health. Like really it activated a lot of my um, mental health issues. So, I didn't even know what trauma-informed meant until uh, USA Weightlifting did a workshop with this nonprofit called Trauma-Informed Weightlifting. And just to, to, I want to specify, when you see the word weightlifting as one whole word, the two words combined, it means the sport of Olympic weightlifting, which mm-hmm. is the snatch, the clean, the jerk. Okay. If you see the two words separated, it means like just general strength training. Okay. So trauma-informed weightlifting is designed to, to really basically be, uh, it's a nonprofit organization that helps create education, um, workshops, courses for people in the, who are fitness professionals, um, and that includes Olympic weightlifting coaches, to get the training and education they need to understand how to interact and better support people in their communities, their athletes, and whatnot. Because if you have a trauma-informed lens, uh, no matter what you're doing, Right, no matter what you're doing, whether you're a trauma-informed, you have a trauma-informed lens as a photographer, like when you're working with a client one-on-one, mm. how can you pay attention and be aware of like maybe certain things that are happening could actually be triggering your client? How can you make them more comfortable? How can we get back to that place of feeling safe? Or working like as a teacher, for me as an art educator, I have to understand how adults learn differently. And if I keep presenting information in a way that doesn't support someone or create stress for someone and whatnot, it can be really triggering to other people. Right. Also, being trauma-informed is the most inclusive lens that you can have. For example, trauma can show up as generational trauma, Mm. right? Mm. Think about uh, racial injustice trauma. Yeah. It can be then your classic PTSD, like you were in a car accident, that whole experience was traumatizing, you know, the impact of all that, or war. Like right now, when I hear about the war in Ukraine, my immediate thought is, holy shit, there's going to be so much trauma after all this. Like people have been altered for the rest of their lives. And that's not a lens that I'm only applying to what's happening in Ukraine. That is literally, anytime I see on the news, you know, somebody was shot and this happened, or like, think about how we're always, you know, people are re-traumatized when they're seeing that another black man was killed by a police officer. So in our world, in our society, we're all having to navigate through, through trauma on some level, but especially the biggest trauma I think people don't realize that shows up is child childhood trauma. Yeah. So when I work with clients, I'm applying a lens that I don't, I may not even articulate it. I may not even, I'm not going to use certain language. Like I'm not going to use, um, maybe violent language in the terms of like, man, you're killing it. Yeah. You know, go ahead, like go all out or whatever. Like, let's go hard as a motherfucker. Come on. Like, 
you know, fuck it up, come on, like, just destroy that. You totally destroyed. Like, that could be violent language that could yeah. be triggering to somebody. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, my goal is to take the toxicity that has existed within fitness culture and in our society and then start creating a safe space through that one-on-one relationship because as a coach you have to develop trust it's all about relationship yeah so i think i am a new coach i have so much more to learn oh this is at the beginning of my journey but again, I believe that the universe is bringing the right people at the right time. If it wasn't for USA Weightlifting sending an email saying that Trauma Informed Weightlifting is offering this workshop for free for anybody who's a USA Weightlifting coach or member can take it. And I took it and it was just like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I need. And this is exactly like, I think this is my path. Like yeah. this is, I never thought that this was my path, but because of my life experiences and where I am today, this is my path. This is the work that I should be doing. So, so I'm about to take, I'm so excited. I'm about to take a 30 hour course with you, uh, trauma informed weightlifting in wow. May yeah, to yeah. get even more training and understanding because I am going off of what I've learned from being in therapy for trauma and all the research that I've done and other uh, people I know who have degrees and are experts in this and that they're like clinical therapist or clinical you know therapist or whatnot. It's just like shout out to my dear friend Nicole mm, um, Osborne yes. from Milk and Honey because she and I worked together at Lululemon. She left Lululemon after she got her master's uh, in in counseling and her and her husband started their own counseling company called Milk and Honey. Yes, and she and she and I've been. Um, you know, she's been a, a space where I can come, a friend that I can share and talk about and have a great natural support system with her. But she also informs me, like I tell her things that I'm learning and, and asking questions about trauma responses. What does this look like? So again, it goes back to relationships. And my coach that I'm working with now is named Zachary Greenwald from Strength Ratio. Yeah. He is a fantastic coach, strength coach, but he also... Um, he is an expert in being able to help people through injury and how to move through that. And I have been dealing with a back injury since November mm-hmm. and some chronic pain issues due to my PTSD. And he has been the most wonderful example of how to approach uh, working with a client, working with an athlete through compassion, inclusivity, and listening to the body. Even though I tell these same things to my athletes, it is so key to have a coach. Yeah. You've got to have that mentor, that coach relationship sometimes because you can be so in your head. Yeah. And you sometimes just need somebody to call it out. And I so having him help guide me and the compassion and care that he's provided me as a coach has really helped rebuild my confidence as an athlete, but he's also investing into building my confidence as a coach. So again, it's about relationships at the end of the day, right. I think. And we have to pay attention to that. Yeah, and percent. Um, insane story, by the way. You know, I, obviously, <laughs> I know all this stuff. Me hearing again, I'm just like, this is you've gone through a lot. But I'm wondering, like, I mean, first of all, you also got to explain one rep why you called it that, and but also building the brands, like, yeah, you know, I want to talk about you building one rep and how your process. Obviously, because at first you were really catering towards films. Yes. So let's talk about that and kind of maybe how that's changed from 
Yeah. You know, so basically, when I first started, um, I knew I didn't want to work with male identifying athletes. Yeah. Uh, because well, number one, because I only had equipment at my house, and I can't. I only had a female Olympic bar, which. By the way, Olympic bars are different than your standard bar that you get at the Globo Gym because of the way they're designed. But the the girth of the of the bar is smaller for a woman's grip well, to be able to do a hook grip, which yeah. is part of this technique of Olympic weightlifting. It's the way you hold a bar. So anyway, I just didn't have the equipment. I really felt like, well, number one, I can't meet the needs. If, if a six foot five guy comes to me and wants to start training, like I don't have the equipment to support that. Very fair. Again, leading through that place of a slow grow, I was just gonna let the universe bring people to me. But I did was like, I'm gonna work with um, female identifying athletes, whoever that may be. And ultimately, I started building that relationship with a few female athletes. And then ultimately, I knew that I wanted to work with teenagers. Mm, Because I feel like as an arts mentor and arts educator over the past 15 years, I realized Anytime I can work with a teenager, I'm getting an opportunity to work with my inner teenager, with my past self. When that was when my mom's cancer first happened, was when I was 13. And my therapist has then said, that's when the soil became fertile for the complex PTSD. That's when your neuro, uh, your neuro pathways or your, your nervous system was really shifted. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because right. no longer did, were you safe in the sense of like, holy fuck. Like when you get that news, it's like the worst feeling ever. So I definitely struggled with complex PTSD like for the entirety of my adolescence and since I've been an adult. I mean, I look back at my high school years and I mean, my behaviors and things that I did, it makes all perfect sense. So I was like, I know I wanna work with teenagers. And again, just gently putting one rep out there. How I ended up branding and identity creation and like is something I'm really passionate about and I love and I think it literally took my therapist two years ago saying, Tristan, you actually have a skill set and strength in understanding brand development, understanding marketing, understanding how to tell the story. Mm. And those are really great skill sets that you have. And yeah. I've never heard anybody say that, yeah. even though that's what I've been doing for years. I didn't really realize that about myself to be true. Mm. So I knew that when I started One Rep, I visually, it was very important to me. Like a lot of people create like a classic logo. Right, that's your, you have your typeface logo, um, and then you may have an icon or something like that. Well, for me, ever since I created the hand-to-hand market, I definitely would reach out to other artists to create logos or to create some kind of branding, but I never wanted one specific logo that I always use because I felt like I wanted to be able to have something that lended itself to be malleable to anybody who was an artist could then take it and create something of their own. Yeah. Right, yeah. though I do think like having your clear brand like your brand indicators is important so i've created like one rep like all my logos and everything are hand drawn yep. everything yep. has this aesthetic of my illustration work and i think that's important that's true to me you, exactly. and um i've been for 10 years been absorbing the type of branding and visual um marketing that a lot of weightlifting uh specific lifestyle brands have done uh you know, my former weightlifting coach, Rob Turner of Out of Set Barbell, he's such a creative individual and he yes, really, he, he really applies that to that. He inspired that. So, you know, I definitely shout out to him for that inspiration for me to think about how would I create my brand. But for me, uh, I had to start there, but then 
I didn't know what I was going to call it and how I ended up calling it one rep was because when I started working with my second weightlifting coach, Kelly McClintock, who owns Iron Barbell Collective, um, in order to get through the training that was starting to do and kind of quote unquote, get my grit back after so much time kind of on and off of training, she really helped rebuild me as an athlete this past year. I remember when things were kind of getting hard and a little taxing, um, I just kind of kept telling myself, just take it one rep at a time. And then she heard me say that and she used that and a good coach pays attention to what you're telling yourself. Yes. Either you've got a narrative that needs to be celebrated or you've got a narrative that needs to be intercepted and be like, no, we're not going to say that. And I tend to do that as a coach. Like I try to check in on what is the narrative that you're telling yourself as an athlete. You know, oh, I'm such a failure. I really let myself down. I didn't train. I didn't train. It's like, no, uh-uh. We're not doing that. We're not yeah. going to beat ourselves up. Yeah. You know, so Kelly heard me saying that to myself. And she's, so she started using that as a coaching cue when I you know, you got 10, 10 reps of squats and they're freaking heavy. Like, you, gotta, you literally have to take it one rep at a time right. because it's just like you got to get through it. But you got to stay patient. You got to stay calm. So she kept saying, you know, just want to take it one rep. Just take it one rep. Ah, and so... And then I woke up one morning in July and I was just like, first thought I had was like, boom, one rep, weightlifting, creating strength and confidence, one, building strength and confidence one rep at a time. So the emphasis of strength and confidence is really important because when we're disassociating with our bodies, when we have trauma, we're really struggling with that connection to our, our body. Um, confidence is one of the big key indicators that really comes out of anybody's relationship with a barbell. When you start really learning how to do that, confidence is huge. And I know I can attest to that. And then strength is a, also you're developing physical strength, mental strength, and emotional strength. Yeah. Because when you walk, when you get under a barbell, um, it's forced meditation. You got 200 pounds on that bar. You can't be thinking about your to-do list. You can't be thinking mm-hmm. about anything else. You have to be fully present. And yep. I think that's key. So when you are able to perform in that way, you, the byproduct of that is confidence. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, I don't think I ever knew where that, where the brand name came from. Mm-hmm. That's really freaking awesome. So you, and obviously at this point in time, you were still, you weren't, you were, I guess you were kind of thinking about coaching or kind of thinking about being a trainer. Well, I knew, I mean, I knew. Is after Lulu. After Lulu, I didn't know what I was going to do until I was going to lean into my art practice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then Rob sold the gym and then I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, I was devastated because the gym had always been a safe space for me. I don't like Globo gyms. Yeah. Yeah. There's some bullshit that happens in those spaces. So it's like this, the gym was always a safe space for me. Right. 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 So then I realized I actually have been operating on autopilot for a long time paying a coach yes you know pay a coach do 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 that have a relationship like that but at some point as an athlete it's your responsibility to take the lead a little bit like my coach now zach greenwald gives he says that the most important thing the one thing in coaching that's non-negotiable is that you as a coach have to pivot to meet the needs of your athlete to make sure that they still feel like they have autonomy and that they are taking the lead. Mm, okay. But the one thing that, that's the thing that is non-negotiable. That's the thing that doesn't change. Yeah. Like you always let your athlete lead and let them have that autonomy. And when that doesn't exist, there's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously you have many mentors and all that, but obviously you got to kind of put your own little um, 
your own little twist to it. So how are you creating your programs and how are you adding your own little twist to, to your workouts and programs and stuff like that? Are you reading a lot of books? Are you watching a lot of YouTube videos? Like how are you yeah. educating yourself on so I'm all a, this? So I'm a huge documentarian in that like if you know me as a visual artist, um, my sketchbooks are a really huge place of um, documentation in my life. Like mm. I've been right. making sketchbooks, like keeping a sketchbook practice for years. On top of that, I also have a bullet journaling practice, and that's something I started about three or four years ago. Well, as a weightlifter, as a strength athlete for the past 10 years, I literally have been documenting all my workouts. I've written everything down. So I either have it digitally documented or I have journals and stuff like that. So because over those 10 years, also collecting books and uh, there's certain YouTube channels, there's a lot of great content now today, especially today, post-pandemic or in the pandemic. So many athletes started, or coaches started developing more online content through YouTube or on Instagram. So again, one of my strengths is input, meaning I, I really take in and input a lot of information into myself or, or keep track of those things. And so then at some point, knowing that I can pull that out and bring that into application at some point, whether it's through art or teaching or coaching, where I think I'm different than other weightlifting coaches, maybe, um, because I'm an artist and because I have an edu- I am an arts educator, I've been coaching or teaching art. I've been teaching art from someone who's like from a child all the way up to an adult mm-hmm. in their 90s. I literally had a student that was in their 90s. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. I've had every age range. So I have knowledge and experience of understanding how people learn and how to find ways to really communicate with my athlete and ask them questions to lead them through the education process of developing their own self-awareness and their own knowledge about the lift. Right. Uh, there is a weightlifting coach that I really adore and appreciate their way of coaching, which is Kara Headslaughter. She is an Olympian. Um, she consistently on her Instagram shows videos of coaching moments where she asks the athlete questions like, what did you experience? Did you notice this change? Da, 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 and gets that back and forth going. And that doesn't always happen. Right. And also, if a coach has multiple athletes in the room at one time, there's not always the space to do that. Thus, why I only work with people one-on-one. You don't like group type. I don't. I'm not doing group situations unless it's my teen athletes. I have two athletes at a time. But for adults, you're paying me for one-on-one attention. Wow. And the reason why I do that is because I want to make sure a lot of my clients are you know, zero level beginners. Like they've had no experience with strength training or they have, or they had a negative experience or there's a lot of things they didn't know, proper technique or whatever. So I want to teach. I want to teach weightlifting. I want to teach strength training. I want to teach it. I want you to learn it. I want you to develop your own movement practice with it. I want to empower you so that, well, shit, look at what you're doing. You yeah. have all the programming I wrote for you. Yeah. We made that time investment. You've experienced that one-on-one coaching with me. So now you have a sense of what it should really feel like, where it really needs to go, yeah. so that you can now walk into a gym, feel empowered, and do your own workout. That's, that's nothing has changed over the yes, years. Exactly. exactly. So yeah. that, yeah. to me, is a success. Yeah. So I think that's really important. Um, and I've learned that from working with other coaches. I've learned it even working with a nutrition coach. He, mm, my yes. new, former nutrition coach, Alex Macklin, he set me up 
four or five years ago with everything he's taught me and he still allows me to call him and check in and ask questions but he set me up to be able to take full responsibility for my nutrition wow so i want to set everybody up to like i don't want you to have a long-term relationship with me like you're going to start one-on-one with me but then at some point you're going to get your own gym membership and you're going to be able to clock in the hours and times and do it yourself and have that inner dialogue with yourself like let me get in your head and be your inner coach and help you ask yourself questions and do that all my athletes i do ask them to keep a training journal Mm -hmm. because i've learned that that is really key very helpful uh like this journal right here in front of us this was my training journal just from last year and current so you can see all my notes wow that's incredible. Everything there. All your sets and everything. All, all of it. All my programming, notes for my training for USA Weightlifting. And then this is a journal that I keep for my current athletes. Notes, programming, what did they do? What are things they shared? Yeah. Um, what are some weaknesses that we want to work on? So the thing is, I have my own training journal and then I'm developing one for myself as a coach. But at the end of the day, if you're not building that habit for yourself, like that's not taking responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. So again, um, when I worked at Lululemon, the big thing that they taught and they kind of really drove home a lot was the practice of leadership. Mm. And so it's this model of leading yourself, leading others and leading the organization. And when you are in the practice of leadership, you start with leading yourself. And so it's your actions and words that you have to take full responsibility for, for their impact, whether intended or not. So for me, as an athlete, it is important that I take full responsibility for my training, what my coach tells me to do, what cues I'm given, like keeping track of those things so that I have, I can get it out of my head, get it on paper, and then I have something objective to look at later when I need that information. Right, right, right. I definitely love you for emphasizing using the journal. It helped me out a lot. Um, just keep track of everything, even how I was feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I've heard. I've heard a couple of times through different trainers and even through therapy and all that, just to keep a track of how you're feeling, what you've been doing, and, and all that. Um, but you're right. It's definitely more. It's definitely a, a self-motivating thing. You know, obviously you can be there for somebody, but like if they don't have that in them to do it on a daily basis or through the program, or whatever, it's just you know, it's kind of it's, it's all you. You know. Um, I think one thing that I've learned is and i learned this actually the first time when i started doing um, art mentorships like coaching relationships with other artists and helping them develop their path but especially with teenagers needing to develop portfolio for college or, or you know high school whatever point is i rem- i learned the hard way that if someone isn't coachable it doesn't matter how much energy i invest into them yeah and sometimes people are not coachable, not because they are like choosing not to be coachable. They don't. Even, they may not even be self-aware that they're not coachable. Wow. Well, yeah. But it could be because they may be having mental health issues. They may be like struggling with a lot of trauma in their life or stressors in their life, and they're in that fight or flight response, and they don't even realize it. They don't. And they're not. Their cognitive abilities are not there. And so the thing is, is that no matter how much. They may want to create those changes or get strong as fuck or get, you know, whatever their goals are. They may not be able to manifest that and make that really happen because they're not living in a place that is sustainable right. in their mental health. Right. And I, so basically, I ask all my athletes, like, are you in therapy? Is there, like, 
you know, just that's in a questionnaire that I have. And the reason why I ask that question is because that lets me know, do you have a formal support system? Mm-hmm. Our friends and family are natural support systems. Yeah. But sometimes we need that formal support system in order to have an objective uh, voice to give us perspective, right? Yes. I think of myself as a coach. I'm a formal support system to a lot of people. Again, I have to make sure I set some boundaries within that to make sure I can retain that formal support system aspect of what I'm offering. Because if it gets too personal or become a natural support system, like then that can be really difficult. But Mm -hmm. I think, Mm -hmm. I think I'm learning that fine balance, but I've also learned that like the way that I operate in any relationship that I have is to make sure that I speak into your life and I speak truth and I support you and to tell you the truth when it really needs to be said and reflect back to you what you may or may not want to hear. Because right. as a coach, it's your responsibility to sometimes say things that people don't, don't want to hear. hear. Exactly. And I applaud you on that. I think that's great. Like we talked about this before the interview, like you're someone that's very, you speak your mind and stuff like that. Just, just probably despite people's feelings. You say it in a nice way, but like you're very blunt and very upfront with people about that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and trust me, hey. it has cost me quite a few relationships. Oh, it's going to happen, you it's, know. I mean, people, when you're not ready to deal with your shit, knowing your shit, you're going to when you come in contact with people with that integrity that are going to own, like call you out on owning your shit, you either can choose to avoid it and walk away from it, or you can actually choose to lean into it and do the work. And, um, you know, I really want to celebrate my athletes because they're all willing to do the work Yeah. and they're willing to dig in a little deeper and, and do that. And even when they're not in that place, they're still willing to hear that feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it's really important. Sometimes I say I say a lot I say this to a lot of my athletes, like I sorry, but I had to turn my coach voice on for that set. <laughs> you know, or like uh, we always do Yeah, like hey, like I'm sorry, but like I need to turn my coach voice on and be like, Are you gonna leave that at the door when you walk in or are you are we carrying this to you today? Like is yeah. that another weight that you're gonna be lifting today? Yeah. You know, because sometimes there is a time and place to turn it on and turn it off. For example, if I have an athlete come in, I always do a clearing at the beginning of our sessions. We'll talk about that, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Very good. I learned that from Lululemon, but I think that there's something really um, specific about it that I really want to make it my own, is that when somebody comes in with a clearing, the reason why I ask for the space to give voice to anything that may be keeping you present um, or anything you want to celebrate, like you could be coming in with high vibrations and yeah. be like super stoked about something and we need to we need to hold space for that. Talk about it, yeah. But it's not a space to, to, you know, not everybody's trained to be objective. Yeah. So a clearing can also be an unsafe space, right? Mm. You may not want to tell somebody that you're having a hard day or you may not want to tell your coach. But I use it as an opportunity to pay attention to your energy, to pay attention to your body language, to pay attention to how you're processing. Again, applying that trauma-informed lens. Trauma-informed meaning like just creating space to see other people through maybe they're they have neurodivergency and that's okay like how can i support you and meet you where you are that's all i'm doing when i clear with someone i'm just trying to meet you where you are and i'm also trying to create space for myself so that like i am someone who has things come up and they disrupt me and they may be more impactful on me than the average person so if I'm feeling discombobulated at the beginning of a session, I just want to be honest with my client and say, hey, I am in a lot of pain today. 
Yeah, we'll be done with that. And yeah. if I can't pick this up or help you or whatever, I just ask that you, I will find a solution, but I ask that you extend a little bit of grace towards me today or celebrating like something awesome that happened. You know, I just got these awesome photos from Dana White. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. But it's like, you know, I think that's important. And if somebody is having a stressful day or they their nervous system isn't um, close to that window of tolerance being pushed, then then I adjust their whole workout. That just doesn't ask you how that will like, work. Like, I don't... Okay, you just had a really hard day. Let's go for a walk and talk. So, instead of doing, ten, you know, five sets of ten on back squat or something, like, no, I'm not going to put you under a barbell or put a barbell in your hands mm. if, you're never, if you're in fight or flight or something's going on because that's yeah. not safe. Yeah, yeah. So, why I use the example of walk and talk. I learned this from my friend, um, Nicole Osborne, therapist from... Uh, milk and honey so the type of therapy that i do is called emdr style therapy that's the work that i do with my therapist what that means is bilateral stimulation of both sides of the brain while processing trauma or your emotions when you have emotional flashbacks come up and you feel it in your body you may be talking about something and then all of a sudden you feel like you're in it you're in the present right but even though it happened in the past so for example when i work with my therapist we hold tappers in my hands so one will buzz and then the other will buzz and the other will buzz and I'll go back and forth while I process emotions oh, wow. and whatnot. Well, if you go for a walk and talk with your coach, like if I take a, a, an athlete to go walk around the block, that walking is bilateral stimulation. Yeah. One yeah. leg is working, the other leg is working, one other leg is working, da da da, da. Yeah. Then I ask questions like how, what feedback is your body giving you right now? If you feel, do you feel sad? I feel sad. Okay, where are you feeling that in your body? So we increase that interception of awareness of what biofeedback is my body, my nervous system giving me and, and correlate it with your emotions. And when we do this, we then also state the truth. Like, yes, that was a very stressful day at work. That was six hours ago, but in this moment, I am safe. And in this moment, it is okay. And I do not have to have a solution right now. So through that, walking, doing the walk and talks with my client and also creating co-regulation. Like I'm helping regulate their, um, their nervous system by my demeanor, by my energy and how I respond to them. Yes. And then it helps get them back to a place of even keel. So these are the things that I think is missing in a lot of the fitness industry absolutely and there's a lot of this like subordinate and insubordinate like roles like the coach being you know the leader and then the athlete being under them and then the coach can talk down to them or use abusive language and things like that like that doesn't help co-regulate somebody's nervous that doesn't help somebody feel safe that doesn't no and a lot of people are very ignorant to understanding that um again if you push somebody out of their window of tolerance you know, fuck them up. Let's say yes. Yeah, you can create injury, create a lot of problems. A lot of people also don't even know that they're dealing with trauma. They don't even know that maybe they're in fight or flight response. They've been living this way their whole fucking life. Yep. They don't know. Yeah. So it's your responsibility as a coach. It's my responsibility as a coach to make sure that I meet people where they are and wow. I adjust. Wow, that's insane. A lot of unlearning there for a lot of people, <laughs> including myself. Yes. <laughs> yes, 110%. So what do you do when someone, because I think I even showed you what my goal body will be like one day maybe you know or what i think 
it would be like and obviously everyone's body is different so what do you do when someone slim thick's a big trending thing right now so what do you tell us i want to look like this i want this that obviously you know that bodies are different so what do you do when someone comes to you that and they want you to coach them how do you keep it realistic i think the biggest thing that a client or an athlete okay someone who starts a strength sport when i started strength training i did it for weight loss right the more I developed a relationship with the actual training, with powerlifting, which is where I started with the barbell, it became more about performance okay. goals, right? So, like, I just had to kind of jump that hurdle. As a woman in this culture, I've internalized diet culture big time. Good. We all have, okay? Wellness and holistic health and all that shit mm. is ultimately diet culture in disguise. Mm. And I'm going to say this right now. If you really want your mind fucking blown and you want to really get on the right path of actually like figuring your shit out, what you want to do with your body, all that stuff, listen to the podcast called Maintenance Phase. Mm, okay. 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 Maintenance Phase. Maintenance Phase. It is a fantastic podcast. Um, the the people who produce the podcast and, and are the, the people that speak on it are two journalists, both queer, and who really debunk a lot of the bullshit in diet culture. Good. They break down diet books written by certain people, and like, why is this toxic? Why is this not serving? And they look at things of how, like, the obesity epidemic is not actually that real. And the reason why oh, I wow. say that, really? it's, it's actually, there's a lot of false information that came out in the late 90s, and um, it, it will blow your mind. And so, I... All of us are guilty of internalizing diet culture. Yeah. It is a fact. Very like, true. and I, I'm on this journey of like realizing, like, you know, if it wasn't for strength training, I wouldn't have been able to kind of break that hold that like fad dieting or like all this stuff was really on me because it became more like, you know what, I just need to fucking eat. Yeah, I wasn't eating enough when I first started training, mm -hmm. and I like in 2003, 2004. I, if you look at me right now, I'll say what my body weight is. I weigh 173 pounds. Okay. Okay. In 2004, when I moved to New York, I got down to 112 pounds. I'm five foot four and a half. Wow. I was working out all the time and I have obsessive compulsive disorder. And I do think me trying to control it, which is based in visual and organizational tendencies, meaning like, the way something looks, like that perfectionism as an artist that I developed kind of as a child and stuff like that. Yes, it did create a work ethic, but at the same time, through my PTSD, it became sim a symptom of, all right, I want to look a certain way, so how do I fix that? Okay, chronic dieting, exercising all the time, not eating enough food, and I got so thin that everybody was concerned. Mm -hmm. But I didn't even like realize that I was vegan. I was doing, you know, you know, eliminating things from my diet and all this stuff like that. Yeah. And so the thing is, when I started strength training, um, I was paleo. I was trying that diet out. Yes, I lost weight. Yes, I did that. But I wasn't eating enough food and enough carbs and things like that to really support performance. Right. So we've had a good 10 years and a lot of great information and science has come out. And as a society, we've realized, like, holy shit, like, diet culture sucks. And we all have internalized it. Men have internalized it. Biohacking, like, Same. oh, I'm going to fast and or I'm going to put coconut oil on my coffee first thing in the morning. And it's going <laughs> to help me, like, do all this shit. Right. Like, 
<laughs> diet culture gets presented to men through the idea of like biohacking. Yep. If you look at Joe Rogan and his podcast, you can get people in there talking about nutrition and shit like that. There's a lot of fucking biohacking. Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah. Okay. So when I have a client, and I'm being very candid with you right now, if I have a client and they come to me and they have a like an aesthetic goal, like they want to lose weight or whatever, I will meet them where they are. But my goal is to help create a safe space for them to just have an opportunity to learn to meet the barbell. Right. I want them to develop a relationship with strength training. And I want them, they're going to have to learn the hard way that if you don't eat enough food and you come in and you've got three sets of 10 on back squat or you're pulling deadlifts, and then on top of that, you've got a circuit and some conditioning work, but you went for a run before you got there. Yeah, I messed up on that one. Yeah, It's like you are not going to be able to perform. And if you didn't eat enough that day or you didn't eat enough for recovery, you're going to be in a lot of pain the next day. You're going to have, you're going to struggle in the gym. So I ultimately have to let my athletes make their own mistakes and will give them some guidance and be honest and hold them accountable. But when it comes to the weight loss aspect or when I have a certain aesthetic, I'm like, yeah, I feel you. I feel you and I understand. But what I get to present to you is this beautiful gift of developing a relationship and embodied movement practice for yourself with the barbell. And you, or however that needs to look, whether it's dumbbells, kettlebells, or just body weight movements, wherever we are, you get to learn to fall in love with the process. Here's the thing. The same way that I teach art, which means stop focusing on the finished product. Art with a capital A. Let's make art with a little a. Let's focus on the process and clocking in the mileage. Love it. That is exactly what I'm trying to teach people when they come to me and they want to be a strength athlete. What I say is, Let's stop focusing on the finished product and let's fall in love with the process and let's focus on taking it literally one rep at a time because every rep you take sets you up for success for the next rep or the next day of training. Every opportunity you have to perfect your technique, like you would be surprised how many people do not know how to properly hip hinge. You cannot squat, you cannot deadlift unless you know how to properly hip hinge. You can't do all those fucking RDLs and build that booty if you don't know how to properly hip hinge because you end up pulling things with your back or whatever. So my point is, is that there's a lot of re-education that happens naturally when people come to me and I just let the experience re-educate them and shift their goals. And I don't tell them, man, you've really internalized a lot of fucking diet culture. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's a little harsh. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm like, they're not going to learn and they're going to be turned away from me. But yeah. basically, I meet people where they are. And even if they, all I care about is developing a healthy, sustainable relationship with you. And if I think I need to interject and say, I'm sorry, this narrative you've created for yourself, like we need to talk about this <laughs> because it's negatively impacting your performance i.e. you are no longer coachable yeah mm. gotcha gotcha Ooh, tristan bringing that honest heat <laughs> telling you bro that's wild i love what i love the most about this is that i remember you not having now you're kind of fully booked like oh, yeah so now you're kind of fully booked as far as your athletes have concerned like you're pretty much at the capacity right well not necessarily i i am slowly gaining more athletes to the point that like um i could take on more remote athletes if somebody doesn't live here i could work with them remotely or if somebody wanted to come in once a week do an in-person session at iron barbell collective with me or in the privacy of my home gym 
and then do two workouts by themselves and do remote where they like send a video or this or that. Like it's it's all there is a way of doing it. But the pro the thing is is that I want to set a boundary on how many athletes I take yeah. because ultimately it's quality over quantity. Yeah. So I mean, if I feel like I can't sustain it, like again, if I keep taking so many athletes, that's not sustainable. Well, where's that energy coming from? Where's that decision being made from? <clears throat> Survival mode. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, I need to make more money. Oh, I need to do this. It's like, that's not also trusting the universe that like even my role as an artist is going to create income. Exactly. And if I'm always so booked with coaching people and I'm never in the studio or I'm never, and I'm not in the studio that often yeah. right now. And I understand why. I'm building up a different cadence and pacing of how I manage my time in the week, and that is my responsibility, and I will get there. But I'm also dealing with, you know, my mental health stuff and my chronic pain, exactly. and that's exhausting. So as I heal and as I work through it, I'll come back to that practice, but I'm finding different ways now to stay engaged with my core identity as an artist. I draw at the gym. I'll yeah. draw people weightlifting. I'll take videos and record them and then use those stills later to do some sketches in my sketchbook later of like, of the sport. Like, what what do I look at all the time? What am I looking at? Yeah. And try to reinvent and reintroduce the sport of weightlifting or, you know, in the gym environment to the general population to give them a different perspective. Oh, I love that. Tristan for the people. <laughs> <laughs> this is so great. This one this one not be the last time you're on this show. Obviously, we can talk about other things, but... I think what you're doing with one rep is very inspiring. You know, yeah. I hope you know that. Oh, 100,000%. I love seeing all my friends thrive in their fields, and I feel like you're in multiple fields. But um, I'm very honored that I've been part of a small part of that process. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're a big so, part of it. Yeah, because, yeah. like, if you hadn't done the, the work with me, I wouldn't have at least two to three of my athletes. Yeah, so you've been like the Grand Central Station for like these connections to come through. And then I get to, you know, hop on that journey with someone and yeah. develop that. So you're integral part yeah. of that. So again, it for. goes back to relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm here. So the question <laughs> is, when we go and get you work on the barbell, I know, squatting, uh, yeah, squatting some weight, pulling yeah, I some know, weight, bro. I tell you, let everyone know who's listening to this. I, 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 I fell on and off. <laughs> yeah, I will admit that today. I die. But that's okay because yeah. it's okay to take a rest day. It's yeah. okay to take a break. Yeah, that's okay. I'm just giving you shit. No, I want you to. And like I told you before, like like a couple weeks ago, was the first week I actually did five days on the old program that you set for me. I actually went there five days and did everything efficiently felt great so yeah you coach t is the best for future <laughs> athletes that are going to be training with coach t she amazing you're she you're she her right uh i use she they she they okay she they want to make sure i got that right <laughs> um but this has been great this yeah. is a good introduction to one rep please hit tristan up if you have any questions and you and the thing is i just want people to know too like i don't have an instagram account for one rep weightlifting that's right you don't and i don't have a website for it and the reason why i don't is because I honestly, I'm not going to show every session with every athlete. Like I, if you see anything on my social media of people training, of people that I'm training, I've explicitly asked for permission. I want to yeah, celebrate do. them. Yep. If they want to show the process, they can. I just do not want to put all that out there in the world, but I do want to show my training process because uh, for me as an athlete and stuff, you can look at that through my personal Instagram, which is at Tristan Miller Artist. Because again, all of this stems from my art practice. Right. 
It just, yeah. and that needs to be the hub for it. I just, I don't want to have another fucking Instagram account that I have to try to build. Yeah. Because that's just, it's I think a, that's annoying. a waste of time. Yeah. At the end of the day. Very fair. Very fair. Okay. So go to your account. It's fine for people to see. Yeah. And then TristanMiller.com. You okay. can always find information there. Yes. And also support the art. You have, you do print sales. You're going to eventually bring me at the Zine Fest. Yes. Maybe one day. Yep. Okay. Cool. Comments, life, and all that stuff. Yep. Okay. We're going to look, look up for all that stuff. Yeah. Well, Greensboro Zine Fest first, and we'll just go from there. Because again, I'm not doing anything from survival mode. Right. And if something doesn't feel sustainable or it's triggering for me, I'm not going to do it. And I just, I'm going to set that firm boundary. And I hope that that really encourages other artists, other creative professionals to really lean into, okay, well, wait a sec. How am I constantly compromising my boundaries? Right. And overselling, overselling myself and do things, which I would really encourage you. I, I want you to have really firm boundaries as you take this journey into mm. working for, like part-time for your day job and stuff like that yeah. and really set a boundary on your self-care and not make decisions not be like every project that comes your way doesn't need to be your project right right just yeah. like every hot fine woman that comes into your life doesn't need to be your girlfriend <laughs> it's meant to be your girlfriend That's so fair. Yeah, 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 look yeah, at yeah. it like that yeah <laughs> thank you for the for the jewels <laughs> Thank you for doing this. This is you're so welcome. awesome. I know you're you got yeah, Dave. I'll see you later for another photo shoot. Um, but yeah, thank you for doing this. You're the best. I'm gonna get you to do a drop after we record this. Uh, after I finish this. So hold on one second before you bounce. Um, and thank you for listening, people. Take care of yourselves. Much love. Bye.